Well, it's good to see all of you today. God bless you. Hey, do you know what next Sunday is? Daylight savings time. It's the good one, folks. It's the good one. It's the good one. It means you get an hour more sleep. But I'm going to ask you to do something next Sunday, and that's not sleep an extra hour. But see, since you don't come to the first service, that might be a little bit different. But what I'm doing is next Sunday morning, I am asking um, our church for that extra daylight savings time hour if you would join with me at the regular 930 um, uh, time, which, you know, uh, to join with me in, for an hour of prayer uh, next Sunday morning. But I know you come to the you come to the second service. So what you can do is you can come. Uh, and if you want to come to the second service, you can come and you go get a donut. Um, you can do something fun. You after the after the, the time of prayer, uh, you can you can go out and you can wash your car. If you you can wash my car. Um, there's a lot of things that you can do, a lot of things. Anyway, um, so I just wanted to kind of clean out that. Let's do something with that extra hour. It's not really an extra hour. You know, there's still 20, it's not like there's 25 hours in the day. But you're going to, you know, um, just join with me in that if you, if you would. I would appreciate it. Um, you know, um, uh, several weeks back, I've asked you, have been having you pray in our church family. have been praying for, for little Isaac. Um, and um, uh, Jason, just just give us a real quick update on how, how things are going. Um, yeah, I, I know, I'm sorry. He didn't know I was going to do this. That's victory. I tell you what, that was, uh, that's the smallest baby I've ever seen. It, it, it really is. It really is. And uh, like, wow. Oh, wow. And then to think, many kids are aborted at that same stage. Oh, what a sad thing. But we fought for ours. Anyway, um, so next Sunday is, is, is uh, that. And what's Wednesday night? Yes, it's not Alpha, <laughs> you know, Adam's, Adam's depressed, you know, um, but, uh, but uh, yeah, fall into fun. Join us for fall into fun. You know what? Even if you, if you don't have kids, uh, come and it's, it's a party. It's a party. Um, and around our church, you know, any excuse to have a party, we'll do it. Um, our world celebrates through a lot of evil and a lot of wicked things going on, but uh, we have chosen to redeem the day and to say, let's come together and have fun. And so come and join us um, on, on uh, Wednesday night. It's going to be a fun, fun time. It's going to be a great, great time. Uh, because Wednesday is um, Halloween, and right now we are all being bombarded with displays of evil. Um, uh, you know, just, just, you know, there are certain people that will take the good stuff and then other people that run with the wicked stuff and focus on the evil. And I want today, I want to talk to you about, about evil. Uh, we're going to talk and focus on evil for a couple of, uh, a couple of moments here. Uh, evil, Evil Knievel was born on September the 11th. Um, no, on, on television, you know, you're bombarded with, with, with horror shows and zombies and ghouls, and that's just the political advertisements. 
Um, anyway, uh, we, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're in this, this thing right now to where really, I mean, it's just, you know, we're, we're, we focus this one day and we, we have fun with it. It's, you know, it's a lot of fun to have fun with it. And I was, you know, it's kind of some things that were startling. You know, I was driving down the street that I live on, uh, this week, last week and, and, um, pumped the stop sign and I just jump, you know, kind of, st- oh, you know, I look in front of me, and, and, and out of this little SUV in front of me, uh, hanging out at the, at the back, uh, the back uh, door tailgate, was uh, an, you know a bloody arm and leg. You know, and I, uh, oh, oh, that's right, that's right, that's right, that's right. That that, that it's okay. Um, but we, you know, we are bombarded with this, and you know, just as Christianity is more than Christmas and Easter. Evil is more than just Halloween. And so today we're going to talk about when did evil begin. We're going to talk about, uh, you know, what was life, what was, what was it like without evil? What was it like with evil? And how do we counteract evil? Now I'm going to tell you, I'm going to warn you ahead of time. I'm not going to get to this message today. And you're going to have to come next week to hear part seven. Um, <laughs> Um, I need for you to come next week. I mean, I, have no, I had no intentions of getting through it uh, to today anyway. But there's so much that has to be covered in it. And because it's so important for you to know what I'm going to tell you in the next couple of weeks. It's vital for you to know and to understand. The Bible tells us that we need to understand the enemy's schemes and know how to get around them and how to be victorious in spite of his schemes. And so I'm going to be talking about that today, next Sunday, and uh, every time that I'm around you, if you take me out to lunch, if you go get coffee together, if you call me on the phone, I'll be talking about this. But, uh, I mean, God is stirring my hearts in some areas right now of our need to understand the enemy's plans and for us to be moving ahead in boldness and confidence what God has got in mind. You know, we've all had encounters with evil. I'm sure that m- most of you, many of you, uh, grew up uh, like me. I li- grew up in a very protected home. I didn't really have much encounters with evil. Next Sunday morning, I am going to be talking about some, some people in our, in our church, some very important, prominent people that many of you know, uh, and we, all, we are going to be doing some stuff with them just on, on some of their encounters with evil. Um, and what it was like to grow up under Hitler. And so we're going to be talking about, about some things. How do we as, as Christians, how do we act when we have authorities? If all, the Bible says that all authority is God-given and that we are to be subject to those placed in authority over us. And what if it is someone like Hitler? What do we do? What, is, what do we have to happen? I'm going to throw out a, a, a teaser here for you, okay? One of the greatest theologians of our time uh, is, is a man uh, by the name of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And um, how many of you know how Dietrich Bonhoeffer died? He was executed because he was trying to uh, assassinate Hitler. Was he right? Was he wrong? We'll talk about that next week. Stay tuned. <laughs> But 
what we're going to be looking at is, is this thing of, I mean, I, most of us, is, you know, in our, even in American culture, we, we, we're, we're protected. We, we turn on the television and we hear a few things and you see a few bad things and some horrible things that take place. But uh, a while back I was um, in, in, in Poland um, and I, I can't say the name of the town. You know, those Polish people, they pick weird names. I'm Polish, okay, so I can say those things. You know. But there's this little little village, and this, you know, and as we were doing some outreach work in this little village, and they said, "Well, you know, while you're here, a part of um, part of us, you need you need to go to to this uh, concentration camp, this Nazi death camp that that was over here. I'd been to to Auschwitz and Bredonken and some of the other numbers of the other." Uh, concentration camps, but this one, there was something different, you know, I'd, I'd, I've seen the, um, I've seen the, 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 the chambers uh, of execution and, you know, the, the gas chambers, and I had seen the crematories, but some, this one was, something was, it, it was just so, oh, my, my jadedness of, oh, this is a crematory, oh, there were millions of, you know, and as I, we were at this one place, and then we, we, we walked down this pathway, and all of a sudden in front of me there was a, a mound that uh, the base of it is probably bigger than this auditorium and, you know, and higher than our building. And uh, as I'm looking at it, it was the ashes of people that had been burned. People that had been executed because they were Jews or because they were, in many cases, because they were Christians, because they were Polish because they were gypsies, because they were, uh, had been born with, with, with uh, birth defects. And as you're sitting there looking at it and this soberness comes over you and, you know, and you say, oh, man. And, you know, right in front of you is even pieces of skulls. And you go, oh, that was a living person. It's not just ashes. This is symbolic of, 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 enough population to populate our geographic area here. Like, oh, wow. And you see the, the, I'm going to say it this way, you see the side effects. You see the byproduct of, of evil. And today we're going to look at, in the next couple of weeks, we're going to be looking at, at what is evil and how can we as believers be free from it and what is the source of it? And quite honestly, it's, the beginning of it is very close to all of us. It's very sad that how close we can be to, to, to evil. I, I wouldn't do anything like that. No, but, but nonetheless, we're all predisposed to some, some horrible things. During the Kosovo War, I was, had the chance to with, through the United Nations to be flown into uh, to some pretty tough areas and uh, no one, not many people could get to. They would fly us in five at a time um, from, from Rome and uh, was in a refugee camp and was playing soccer with some little kids. I can, I can only do with kids about this small, you know, you know, push, they're easier to push and, you know, take the ball away from it. It's good, it's good. Um, they get this big, I'm out, of the, I'm out of the league, you know. But, you know, but this little kid, and we were playing soccer, and he had his shirt off, and, and I had a, you know, I, I'm looking at him, he's got a hole in his back, you know, and uh, I grabbed him and said, you know, you know, what's this? 
and he just looked up at me and he goes, you know, and I think, what type of person would, would shoot a little five-year-old in the back? How, how depraved does our culture have to get, our world, for, for that to happen? To realize that, man, it does happen. It happens all the time. Where does this evil come from? Many of you have seen the kid care video. Part of it was taken from the shelter that we work with in, in, in Johannesburg, South Africa. An interview of two of our little girls and this, this the, the center that we, that we work with. It's a center for, for mothers with, with AIDS. And these, there was two young girls that were in the center. And, you know, as we're talking with them, we realized that they were from the Congo and began to tell us their story. They were in their home, just normal life, living at home with mom and dad and, and other sisters. And some rebels kicked the door in, came in, instantly went up to the dad and shot him in the head right in front of all the kids. The soldiers started raping the older sister and raped her until she died. Then they were raping the mother, and then they, as they were raping her, they put a knife to her throat and, and uh, slit her throat and let her die while they were raping her. And I'm telling you these things not to get you in a bummer. Oh, thanks a lot, Larry. I'm, life's been hard this week. I paid, had to pay four and a half dollars for gas, and you're telling me bad stories, you know. But I wanted to you know that we live in a world that, that there's evil in our world. And as these little girls are telling their story of how they were eventually smuggled out of the, out of the Congo in the back of a pickup under some blankets and just the time of going, you know, days just laying in the back of this pickup trying to, trying to escape. And, you know, it's something that, well, you know, it, it's sad and it, it's heartbreaking and it's, but we realize that we live in a world, where did this evil come from and how did it get here? Because when we read in the book of Genesis in, in, you know, in chapter, chapter 1 and verse 31, the Bible says that in Genesis chapter 31 that God saw all that he had made and it was very good. Not, not just kind of good, it was very good. And there was evening and then there was morning. And so we're going to, you know, evil is not a, this world was not created with evil. It was not created so that evil would be here. Evil did not originate on planet earth. Before God created the earth, he had already populated the universe with another race of beings. And no, they were not space aliens, okay? Now, when we're reading the Bible, don't go get weird on me and start trying to put space aliens into the Bible. Come on, folks. Uh, you, know, you know, don't watch those things on television. They're, by lone, they're put together by lonely people. Um, but, but angels uh, are created by God. They are created beings. And God created this population of angels. We don't know how, we don't know where, and we don't know when. 
But what we do know, the Bible tells us that they are created beings. And sometimes we can get so used to hearing about angels. And as kids, we grew up watching, I did anyway, I don't know about you, but watching Woody Woodpecker cartoons where there was always the, the bad angel on this side and the good angel on this side trying to get Woody Woodpecker to do bad things or Bosco or whoever, you know, was, um, the cartoon was about. Where do those fine cartoons go? Um, but... Um, how can our culture grow up without, without, um, without Woody Woodpecker and Roadrunner? But, you know, we, we grow up with the idea that there's, oh, they're, they're just little cute things that, that are out there. But, but the Bible tells us some very definite things about angels. Angels are not a fantasy of somebody's wild mind. They are another form of a creative, created being that God handmade. Angels, like all mankind, are created, and they, they have a free will, according to what I can understand and read in the Bible about angelic beings, that they have a free will. The Bible tells us that they are all over the place. The Bible warns us. The Bible tells us that we can even entertain angels sometimes without knowing it. I, in, in my lifetime, I've had numbers of encounters, and, you know, no, I'm not spacey, and no, I, I'm not off my medication, um, but I've had numbers of encounters with angels. There's one story, I mean, I don't want to bore you to death with it, but I just, I wanted, I wanted to throw in this morning for those of you that may be new around the church and haven't heard all my old worn-out stories, but um, I, I, through a situation, I was, I had to fly back to Cincinnati to pray for a friend of mine. And as I went back to Cincinnati, and I, I'd never been to Cincinnati before, I'd never been to the hospital before that I was going to, and somehow I ended up in the back, in the back of the hospital going through a back door. And as I walked through the door, I had two, two um, young men come up, walk up to me, and uh, they, were, um, um, they were, they had on white nurse-type, you know, uniform, uh, smocks or whatever, whatever, what are they called? Scrubs, you know, and... and uh, Thank you, but um, I had so they had they had these, these white scrubs on, and um, and they walked up to me very very point. He just walked up to me and said, "Who are you looking for?" You know, you know, uh, I'm looking for 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 Steve Shogren. So, okay, we'll, we will take you to him. Follow us. And so I okay. So I went and don't want to get into this, the other side of the story. But after praying with Steve and then walking out the front door, not the door that I went in. You know, walking out the front door. And uh, in the front door, because of the situation and my friend's visibility in the community, they didn't want a bunch of people coming in and bothering him. And, um, and so um, there was a table in front of the door with two people sitting behind the table, and I, I walked out from behind them, around them, and, and they who, what, what, what are you, what are you, how'd you get in there? I said, well, you know, two of the, the nurses, you know, let me, you know, walk, you know, took me in. And they said, no, they didn't. I'm sorry, you know. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, 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 yeah. He said, no, uh, uh, uh. He said, this is the only way into the room. You know, and, you know, and I said, what, what do they look like? And so I, I explained to them, you know, what they, you know, said, well, you know, they, this was, uh, and, uh, and they said, there are no nurses here that look like that. 
You know, so it's, I'm kind of, okay. You walk away from it. I mean, it, it happens all the time. We can be living in a miraculous situation and not be aware of it until afterwards. I mean, I've had this happen numbers of times in my life. I'm walking away and I'm going, holy smokes. What just happened? You know, I want to run back and find those guys, you know. I want to, you know, wow, wow, wow. Now, you know, just, just for your information, just, you know, sometimes people say, well, well you know, it was their, their appearance was just like a normal person, except there was just something special about them. There was just, there was, you know, just, you know, one young guy had, had I mean, both young, one had black slick back hair, and another was um, Afro-American, light skin, had, um, had kind of a reddish tint to his hair, and had um, freckles on his, on his face. I mean, you know, so, I mean, what I'm saying is, it's not like, the, you know, like, you know, well, you, you'll get it mixed up with everybody else around here. Distinctive things about them that there is no one like that around here. And you see, what I'm saying is, is, is angelic beings are, they're, they're, they're real. They are not a fantasy thing. They are as real as you and I are. They are created by God for a specific purpose. They're messengers of God. But the Bible tells us that one of these angelic beings rebelled against God and, and went his own way. The Bible tells us that this angelic being, whose name was, was Lucifer, and as we look at the Bible and in systematic theology, as you are studying angelologies, the study, obviously, the study of angels, you, you know, that, that there are different levels of angels, and there are three angels that God created that are archangels. They are the powerful, the more powerful angels. We know them. We know, we know them by name. We know them Michael, Gabriel, and Lucifer. Now, many of you, you've named your kids after the first two. I don't know of anybody named after the last guy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, and um, but but we, we understand some things about them that they are created beings. And see the thing with the angels is sometimes we can and you know and especially with 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 the one that fell with Lucifer that rebelled against God because he had that free will. You see, God is so powerful and so strong that he can create anything even a being that can rebel against his will. And God created this thing of free will and put it inside of you, he put it inside of me, and he also put it inside of, of these angelic beings. And, and these, these angelic beings, and this particular one with, with Lucifer, as later on he is going to be, he's going to be called... Satan. He's going to be called the devil. He's going to have numbers of different titles that are going to be referring to him. But what we do know is that, that he is, the Bible says that he is changed, his name is changed from angel of light, Lucifer. His name is going to be changed from that to, to Satan, which is deceiver. And he is, he is now the deceiver, and he is there to, to deceive mankind. He has a plan, and he has a purpose. You know, and the, sometimes it's, well, why doesn't God just kill him and just wiping out? It's going to happen. In the meantime, God is going to allow us to exercise our free will. Will we choose to follow and will we choose to serve God? There's some passages that we're going to look at today. And in your Bibles, you can look at Ezekiel in chapter 28, verse 12. Uh, it's going to be on the screen as well. But, son of man, now, 
he's going to refer to him as the king of Tyre. And this is one of those picturesque ways to, that God uses to get us to, to think, to bring some thoughts into our, to our realm of thinking. He says, son of man, take up lament concerning the king of Tyre and say to him. And all of a sudden it begins to change and realize, oh, he's not talking about a king, a human being on the face of the earth. And then it begins to, to fall into place. We begin to, this is the, 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 one of the biggest studies that we have of our adversary, the devil, Satan, Lucifer. Um, this, is the, this is one of the, 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 the places that we continue to have to go to to understand and to learn some things about him. It says, Son of man, take a lament concerning the king of Tyre and say to him, this is what the sovereign Lord says to you. You were the model of perfection full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden. Now, this is where we know he's not talking about a king uh, of, of Tyre. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone adorned you, rubies and topaz and emeralds and crystallite and onyx and jasper and sapphire and turquoise and, and beryl. Okay, your settings and mountings uh, were made of gold on the day that you were created. Uh, and they were prepared. You were anointed as a guardian cherub, for so I ordained you. And you were on the holy mount of God, and you walked among the fiery stones. You were blameless in your ways from the day that you were created, and here's, here's the secret here, till wickedness was found in your heart. He had a choice, he had a free will, and he allowed this wickedness to begin to develop and he began to argue, uh, argue against God. Okay, through your wickedness, okay, through you a widespread trade, uh, you were filled with violence and you sinned. And so I drove you in disgrace from the mount of God and I expelled you, O guardian cherub, from among the fiery stones. Your heart became proud on the account of your beauty and you corrupted your wisdom because of your splendor. And so I threw you to the earth and I made a spectacle of you before the kings. Okay, by you many sins and dishonest trade, by your many sins and dishonest trade, uh, you have desecrated your sanctuaries. So I made a, a fire come out from you and to consume you and I will reduce you to ashes on the grounds of the sight of all who are watching. Now, this passage tells us some things. That Number one, that when God created Lucifer, when he also created Michael and Gabriel and, and the other boys that we don't know their names and uh, a couple of my friends. <laughs> I like saying that. Uh, <laughs> when, when God created him, that he was, he was perfect. There was no sin in him. There was no flaw in him. See, free will that God puts in us is not a sin. It's not a flaw. And he expects us to use it for good. He expects us to use this free will that we have to do good and to glorify God with it. You see, sometimes we, 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 we forget that, oh, it's my choice. It's my choice. And yes, there is a, a, a demonic force that is there to destroy me, to do his trade throughout the earth, to, 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 to destroy people, to deceive people, to cause them to turn against God. Yes, there, there is that, but, but he doesn't have any power. The only power that the enemy has is what we give him. 
when we take our authority and we say, no, it doesn't mean that he's going to go away and quit tempting you. But it does mean that he does not, he cannot force you and he will be there. When I fall into sin, when I do those dumb things, whatever they are, whatever they may be, um, it's because I made the choice. You know, I, I can't say, well, you know, I was forced to do it by the, it's my free will. Anytime any of us do, it's because of our free will, because we choose to do that. We can open our lives up to some, to some areas of control by the demons, but we still have control of our lives. We still have the right to say, no, go away. We have that authority because the Bible tells us that at the cross, Jesus conquered sin and death. And for those in Christ Jesus, that we are to be conquerors. So we don't need to fuss and to fight over all these little things of what the enemy is doing. We need to take our position of authority. And this is a place that next Sunday we're going to spend more time on this. Of your place of authority. There are so many people that live under what God has in, in mind for them. Because they don't know their authority. They don't live in authority. They pull they pull out from under the authority of God. Marriages fail because people pull out from under the authority of God. I'll do it my own way, thank you very much. They, they, they pull out their, their kids from under the authority of God. They pull out their finances from the authority of God. They wonder, what's going on? Why can't I ever win in anything? And what I want to encourage you in, in today and the next couple of weeks is that God has got a plan. The devil has a plan also. His plan is to, to destroy you. God's plan is, I know the plans I have for you, plans to bless you and prosper you and not to harm you. And so God wants us to be aware of the enemy's plans. The Bible tells us he's like a roaring lion walking around looking for anybody to eat up. And if we'll let him, he'll do it. But the Bible tells us that we are to rebuke the enemy. We are to say no to the enemy's plans. And we'll talk about that next week and the authority that we have and how we can live under, under the protection of God. In, in, in Isaiah, and we'll look at this next week more in more depth for the sake of time. I'm not going to do it today. But in Isaiah, again, he's talking about what happened. How did, how did Lucifer fall? And we understand that pride was found in his heart. When you, when you read the text and you read them and, and you get into to the Hebrew and you understand that it talks about the, the things inside of him, uh, the way that the text comes across is that, that there was these traffics and, you know, it, it, you, know you talk about how he was trafficking and, and you know, that there was a, a lot of theologians believe that Lucifer in his form was almost like the clearinghouse of worship and praise for God. It was sort of like it came through him and was amplified. It talks about his, his caverns and, and, his, and his, his tabards inside of him. And that it was like, it was something that was like given to God. It was the place that was, was moved into the presence of God. And it says that he became jealous and, and prideful. Wait a minute, I, I, I'm doing this. I am passing on, it's, it's coming through me. And he began to take his share of it. He began to realize, hey, I, I'm beautiful. And the Bible talks about how beautiful he was. I, I, I'm, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. And we're going to talk about the dangers of, of uh, next, next week and, and even in the areas of, of sharing in God's, in God's glory. The dangers of, of, of receiving praise from people. The dangers. And we, we'll, we'll look at some stuff next week also of just the issues of of um, 
of, of performers and how there's a danger of them taking all that stuff that, sh- that praise and glory should be going to God, but instead it's, it's going to people and not passing on to God, but keeping it. This is for me. You paid this money to come and see me. You're, you're clapping for me. You're, you're doing this for me. And I'm keeping it. And it's, it's a sin. It's the original sin of pride and blocking off what God has intended for, to, go, to go to him. But Lucifer, Satan, the devil, is, has a plan for your life to destroy you, to wipe you out, and to kill you. And God has a plan to, to move you ahead. In Genesis in chapter 3, in verse, starting in verses 1 through 3, I'm not, for the sake of time, I'm just going to talk a little bit about it. But, but the enemy shows up to, to, to Eve in the garden. And uh, he says, okay, here you are. Um, what are you going to do? You know, well, you know, God said that we can eat of, of anything in the garden except this one tree. And, and you know, the, the Lucifer, the devil, Satan, in the in the shape, in the in the appearance of of taking on the form of a serpent. Now, I, I there's some things I, I no one knows how long Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden before they fell. They, we don't know. It could have been. It could have been a week. It could have been four million years. I mean, I don't, it doesn't matter. If it mattered, God would have told us, okay? But what we do know is God's concern about the scenario that, 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 that the serpent, the, the, the cunningness, the, 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 you know, that the Lucifer takes on. There's a passage in the book of, of Revelations after it's all over with. After it's all done and said, after all the battles, after everything has, has fallen apart and God now is victorious, uh, it's all come to an end. You know, and the Bible says that, that this dragon that caused all of this destruction on planet Earth, he was the, the serpent of old. And he's had a plan, and his plan is to ultimately take it to this, to this ultimate showdown to where Lucifer, who is the master of deception, has even deceived himself to believe and to think that he's going to be able to overpower God. There's one, one issue, one problem with it, is that God is omnipotent, and Lucifer is a created being. Omnipotent means all-powerful. God has all power. Lucifer is just simply a created being. He does not have the attributes of God or the, the character or the nature of God. He cannot, as we know that God, one of God's characteristics, that he is, he is omnipresent. God can be any, every place at the same time. That's our God. He's, he's not, ooh, God's in nature. No, he's God. He's, he's, he, that, he's in everything. He is there. Um, God is, he has that ability to be omnipresent. Lucifer is a created being who will only be one place at one time. You know, the devil has really been bugging me this week. I don't want to offend you, but I don't think so. Um, and not unless you are really a great, great, great world leader. I think that Lucifer himself is focusing uh, on great world leaders. Maybe some decisions that's going to be made in about two weeks. Ooh. Lucifer is at work in, in certain places. Now, he does have his henchmen. The Bible tells us that when he rebelled, that one-third of God's created angels fell with Lucifer. 
So he has his henchmen that are around that are doing these destructive things to, to cause problems for you. So does the enemy attack us? Yes, he does. Oh, yes, he does. But he doesn't want you to know that you, you can be victorious. He doesn't want you to know the power that you can work in when you're under the authority of God. When you pull yourself out from under the authority of God is when we get ourselves in big problems and all of a sudden we realize that the enemy of God is beating the daylights out of us and we're having no victory. The enemy of God is not omniscient. Omniscient, all-knowing. God is omniscient. God knows everything. The enemy of God doesn't know anything except what he learns and what he sees. He does not know what God is going to be doing in the future. All he can see is what God is doing to, to move the future around. And he will act and react in those situations to try and counteract God's good and God's plan for, for people's lives. God has a plan for your life and the devil has a plan for your life. And it's up to us to decide with our volition, with the power that we have of free will, of I'm going to choose to do it God's way. I'm going to stay under the authority of God's plans. And how do we do that? And what is the method of doing that? One of the ways that the enemy always tries to, to get us to get out from under the authority of God so that we will not be victorious is to get us to begin to question God. And the way that he had made Eve, I mean, it works. He doesn't have to change his plans. They're not hard to understand because they, they, they work all the time. And how did it work? How did, how did it happen? And they came across the idea of, did God really say that? Did God, come on, did, did God really say that? And we're going to talk about it next week, but the importance of you knowing what God has said. Number one, being firmly rooted in the Word of God and knowing that there will be no revelation, nothing coming that is not lining up with the Word of God. But understanding what God is saying to you and what God is speaking to you in your heart. That the secret of the Lord, in, in this passage in Psalms, and uh, I'm going to read this to you, it's not going to be on the screen, but the secret of the Lord is with those who fear Him and He will show them His covenant. The secret of the Lord, that, that you will know God's plan God's got a covenant. God's got a plan for your life. And when we are staying in the Lord, then we are going to have, have that alive inside of us. We'll understand what God's plan for our life is and where we're going. But how do we live in a victorious life? Living that victorious life, number one, by simply saying, God, I'm giving my life to you. If you have never stepped across the line of faith, your life is doomed for confusion, destruction, and, and, and hopelessness. And unfortunately, it's eternal hopelessness. And you see, this is the place to what, when the Bible says that, you know, in, in, in 1 John, that the reason that Jesus came to earth was to undo the works of the devil, to speak to every one of our hearts and our lives and say, God's got a plan for you. God's got hope for you. God wants to, to lead you in paths of righteousness so that you can spend an eternity with him. And number one, each one of us, by our own choice and our own will, must make that choice to serve God. Your parents can't make it for you. Your husband or your wife can't make it for you. Each one must choose 
by our own volition, our own will to say, God, I want to make you the leader of my life. And the Bible says that whosoever will may come. That anyone, anyone who chooses to, to say yes to the will of God, that that person is included into the family of God. And so number one, to break away from the enemy's plan for your life, have you made Jesus Christ the leader of your life? Have you stepped across that line of faith? There's all kinds of little word pictures that the Bible uses to explain it to us. Have you been born again? Have you been born from on high? Have you experienced the life of Christ? What it means is simply this. Have you taken yourself off of the throne in your own heart and put Christ there? Have you, are you allowing him to be the leader of your life? And that's the place where we say, God, I realize that my life is out of order and I need to put Christ as the center of my life. And it's that, that prayer of repentance. It's that prayer of confession of Christ as your, as your Lord and Savior. It's that place of saying, I realize that, that in my life that, that I have sinned. Maybe I haven't burned and, and, and cremated millions of people but I'm still living under that rebellion towards God by saying, I'll do it my own way. I will be a victim of pride and say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let the, the, what, the praise fill me instead of, instead of Christ alive inside of me. My, 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 my words, my concern for, for each, each person here is how are you doing with Jesus Christ? is a, one of the ways that we have learned down through the years to say it. And it's that if, if, if you died right now and you stood before God and he said to you, why should I let you into my heaven? What would your answer be? I've been a good person isn't good enough. The Bible says that our righteousness is filthy rags. It doesn't count. There's only one proper response. And that's because I've received Jesus Christ as my Savior. I've invited him into my life. I'm making him the Lord of my life. Now, I'm going to tell you something. You don't have to be a theologian to become a Christian. You don't have to have everything in perfect order to get it. It's just that beginning place of saying, I know that inside of me something is missing, and I need to give my life to Christ. I need to say, Jesus, come into my life, and you be the ruler and the leader of my life. And all of a sudden, what the enemy begins to come in and he begins to hit you. Oh, you're going to give up the, that right in your life? You're going to give up everything you fought for? You fought so long and so hard to be in control of your own life, and now you're going to give it up to some kind of religious fanatic stuff? And the enemy begins to go, Hath God said? What I'm inviting you to do is to undo the works of the devil in the Garden of Eden in your own life. To say, oh yes, God did say, don't do that. Don't do that. And I choose to follow God. I choose to obey God. It is a choice. It's your own free will. God does not force and God does not make anybody serve him. But he sends his Holy Spirit to draw us. He sends his Holy Spirit to do his work inside of our heart that causes us to say, I need more of God. 
I need to give my life to God and I need to, to start walking down this path that on a daily basis is going to take me closer and closer and closer to God. And my question this morning is, if you did die and you were standing before God and he asked you that question, would your answer be, because I know that Jesus Christ is the only way and I gave my life to him. When I was on earth and I had the power of free will, I gave my life to him. And God's going to say, all right, party time, come on. (laughs) Now, I'm going to ask the worship band to come to the front, and as they're coming, I'm going to ask all of you just to bow your heads and just to close your eyes. you've never stepped across that line of faith, you've never made that confession of God, I confess, I know that my life hasn't been right and I know that only by what Jesus did for me on the cross can I be saved. You could have said it a a number of different ways, but the bottom line to it is, is that you know when you made peace with God. You know when you said, not my way, God, but your way. I can't be good enough to forgive myself of sins, and it's only by what Jesus paid to put me back into right relationship with God that I can come before you. And if you have never prayed that prayer, you've never been honest before God and say, God, I need forgiveness in my life. I need, I've been... Maybe it's been passive rebellion. Maybe it's been just carelessness. But God, I, I, I need to make Christ. If you've never done that, I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm going to ask you, first of all, to, to raise your hand. And I'm going to pray with you. And second, I'm going to ask you that at the close of the service, I'm going to ask you to come to the front. In a couple weeks, we're starting a new believers class that will be... Uh, a walk through this journey of how to draw closer to God and how to, to, to live in that place of giving your life to God. But if you've never prayed that prayer and stepped across that line of faith and you don't know for sure what your answer would be, well, I, I hope I've been good. I'm sorry, my dear friends. I love you, but you just can't be good enough. You can't feed enough starving people. It's only by what Jesus did for us and our confession of that that puts us into right standing with God. If you've never accepted Christ and you know that something is wrong inside, Today's the day that you need to get it straightened up. I want to ask you to, 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 to raise your hand. Is there anybody at all?
Today can be that day. Okay, so that means that if the rapture took place right now, this room would be empty, right? <laughs> Amen. Let's not make it that way next week. A couple of weeks ago on our family meeting, made a commitment to you that I would drive home as hard a salvation message as possible on every Sunday morning. Your agreement with me is that you would bring your unsaved friends. You made that agreement to me, the ones that you were here, you said that. I'm going to keep my side of the bargain, and I want you to keep your side of the bargain. I want you to invite your friends. My commitment to you as a church family is that I will be as gracious with the love of God as possible, but I will not hold back on the issue that only by the blood of Jesus Christ can we be saved. If you will bring those people that need to know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, we as the preaching staff will not let a Sunday go by that they are not aggressively approached with the gospel of Christ. It's about eternity. It's about knowing that we have a very small time here on planet Earth to impact the kingdom of God. Will you do it? Next Sunday morning, we're going to be talking about living under the authority of God. I promise you, if you bring your friends, it will make sense in their lives. They may rebel against it and say, I don't want to believe that. But I promise you, if they will be, have ears to hear and open to the truth, that they will understand some things about why God is so sincere about calling them into his presence. I'm going to ask you to stand. I'm going to ask the ushers to come to the front as we receive the tithes and the offerings as you are in that place of submission to God in that area of finances of God I want to keep the mark of you on my finances Father we pray your blessings on this offering now in the name of Jesus I pray your blessings on everyone here Father that, that have been fighting some spiritual warfare and Father that you will that they will be victorious in Christ Jesus Father that we can shout praise God because Jesus has won the victory he triumphed over sin and death on the cross. And we thank you for that. And we give you the glory and the praise and the honor for it. In the name of Jesus, amen.